Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hey guys, and welcome to another mind-bending episode of Inquiries of Our Reality, number 86 to be exact. I'm your host, Shane, as always, and I appreciate you tuning in. But uh, before we get into the show today, which I have a very, very interesting and special guest today, uh, we got to do the pre-show stuff. So if uh, you haven't already, I definitely appreciate it if you would uh, review, give the show five stars, um, share with a friend, all that fun stuff, all the different stuff to help the show grow. Um, The ratings, always a plus. Um, If I get to a point where I have enough awesome, awesome ratings from you guys on iTunes, I definitely want to... uh, Sit down and read it all on the show, but uh, got to bank them up first a little bit there. Um, so yeah, definitely go that way and uh, do me a little favor and make it so that I can add that portion into one of the episodes of the show. And uh, if you're not already doing it also, um, come and follow me on social media. I'm mainly active on Instagram. Um, there is a Facebook for the show. Not as active on that, but everything kind of gets push fed from uh, over on Instagram. And I do have the Telegram going. Um, starting to take off a little bit in there. So definitely could use your guys' help if you guys want to hop in and... Uh, have some awesome conversations and keep updated on information for the show. Um, if you're not already checking it out, also, uh, Bizarre Encounters. It's a little sideshow that I do with uh, Ghost. Well, not really sideshow, but it's another whole show all on its own. Definitely worth checking out, though. Um, all under the Open Minds Media umbrella, which uh, is all just stuff that I'm involved in, stuff that I do. So that also includes uh, Big Dumb Inquiries and Bite Size Bizarties. And speaking of Bite Size Bizarties, if you're not already doing it, too, Go and, uh, you know, do yourself a favor and check out the Patreon for Open Minds Media. I try to not just make it just for this show, but it's Open Minds Media because it includes all things that I do. So if you do that Patreon, you don't just get one show, you get four shows. So definitely more bang for your buck. Um, If you're not as interested in the Patreon, but you definitely want to donate to the show because, you know, any donation helps because eventually I'd like to do this as a full-time thing. But, you know, I got to work my way there. And I like the whole value for value metal because I don't want to load you guys up with a bunch of ads and a bunch of cutaways and this and that. So best way I want to go about it is leave the show as it is and, you know, hopefully have some people donate and make it so that I can spend more time and effort into doing the show. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, um, you can donate on Anchor, which is the RSS host for this. Um, You can also donate on Ko-fi. I set up Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal all under... uh, Shane Jones, 1994, but the links will be available down in the description if you guys are interested in checking that out. Uh, if you guys want to get yourself some awesome merch, uh, just like the Patreon, I made it the Open Minds Media merch store. So there you'll find uh, 
merch for all four shows and Open Minds Media logo if anybody thinks that's cool and is interested in that. Um, branching off of that, uh, we also have a collab with Crypto Theology. Joe does some awesome work. Um, he makes all cryptid-based designs, some of them parodies, some of them his own uh, original concepts from different series, um, which would pretty much be uh, specific locations with cryptids based on those. They're, they're awesome. Just definitely go check them out. And while you're at it, there's a little tab on there that's the Open Minds Media tab. And there you'll find the collabs that we have done and hopefully be adding some more awesome collabs into there into the near future. And if you're interested in any of the things that I mentioned, including Joe with uh, Crypto Theology, I put it all on the link tree, trying to make it quick and easy so you guys don't have to try to remember all this shit. You can just click the link tree and everything will be a refresher and it'll all be right there on that page. Uh, if you want to check out the one specifically for Increase Our Reality, it's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. And uh, if you want to check out Open Minds Media, which you'd also find a connection to go into Increase of Our Reality and all the other shows, uh, that one is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. And with that, welcome to the show, everybody. JJ Rose 777. She is a metaphysical light worker, energy and entity cleaner, a minister and a white witch. Uh, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Dane, fancy seeing you here on your podcast. <laughs> Pleasure for you to finally be on after uh, we've been talking for a little while and felt like we planned the day um, probably like a month and a half after we started originally talking. So it's nice to finally like have the the one-on-one be able to talk and not just be going through messages. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, for anybody that doesn't quite know who you are or exactly what you do from your awesome long description uh do you mind giving them just kind of like a brief idea of like who you are what you do and what you're all about oh i'm about to have an existential crisis on air that's fun (laughs) um who am i i don't know i am a um all things psychic basically my entire life i was born this way i didn't have a spiritual awakening later in life i was like this since an infant came in with all these wonderful gifts came from a very um I I come from a very strong lineage. So on both sides of my family. So if I didn't have any gifts, I knew I was adopted. Um, (laughs) At least you know for sure. Right. Like I, it's so hard. Why all of a sudden do I not know how to explain who I am? But uh, basically I am metaphysical entity and energy cleaner. That is my speciality. I am obviously psychic as well. Um, all the different modalities. And like I said, I just came in with a lot of this knowledge. So, yeah. Well, I guess uh, to give people kind of a little bit more of a a grasp idea of like who you are and what you do exactly. Um, Originally, we had met because I did an episode with uh, Eric from Uncomfortable. And uh, if anybody wants to get the full rundown of the story, they can go and check out that episode. Um, Should be should be labeled. uh, inquiries into Shane's reality, if I'm not mistaken. That should be the name of the, uh, the episode. But uh, I guess a basic idea of it was that I had um, some dark attachments, whatever you want to call them, that kind of all started back from a house I lived in as a teenager. And uh, kind of continuing on into my life, um, there was some attachments that were bothering, whatever you want to call it, uh, me and my family um, more recently. So originally, like that, that's a w- why we started talking. But uh, 
I don't know if you kind of want to get into like your side of exactly what you did and uh, how you helped out. Um, I don't know. I can kind of give people more of like a grasp about exactly what you do. Sure. I'm so much better when I'm talking about what I'm doing versus who I am. <laughs> um, so, you know, thanks to Eric, you and he recorded and, you know, obviously the episodes come out like a month or two months after you guys actually recorded, but you guys were recording and you were kind of giving your story of all the stuff that was happening in your house and your lives. And um, at the end, Eric had really, really urged you to reach out for help um, because everything that was happening was very overwhelming and it didn't really sound from your conversation with him that you had a real grasp on it. Eric also knows how I feel about kids. Anything that involves children for me, um, I, I want it nipped in the bud and taken care of. So he uh, referred you on over to me and we got in touch and I worked with you and your place and your family for about three days straight. Um, so in working, when I'm doing work like that, basically I am astrally at your home. I'm not physically there, but spiritually I'm there. And you had a whole lot of stuff going on, young man. <laughs> Just, oh, honey. <laughs> It was so all wrapped up that it was like hard to differentiate any of it because that was part of where my problem I felt was is that it was like if there's one thing going on, it would have been easier to differentiate and know exactly what it was. But there was so much coming in that it just came in as like a giant like blocker. And I even kind of mentioned that in the episode that I almost felt like I was like being blocked by these things where I couldn't even like pick up on it because there was so much going on that there is easy yeah. for them to essentially camouflage themselves within within everything around me. <laughs> yeah. Um, to say there was a lot going on, I think is putting it lightly. When I first, <laughs> <laughs> when I first jumped over there, I remember um, emailing you and saying, it's like, there's a spiritual mosh pit going on outside of your house. What <laughs> in the world is happening? <laughs> um, I, I like doing what I call blind reads. So you know, when Eric said, Hey, I'm going to have Shane get a hold of you. And, and you reached out, I deliberately told you, don't really tell me what's going on. I just need consent to jump over and let me check it out. It helps me because then I'm not getting, um, sidetracked by what you quote unquote think is happening. Um, therefore I can just kind of jump in, see what's going on, assess, and then bring it up to you for you to kind of pick apart and be like, yay, nay, or all of the above. So there was a lot happening. There was stuff within the home. There was stuff affecting your animals. Um, you know, definitely the thing affecting your kid, um, your son specifically, that ginormous being with the antlers that look like a deer and a kangaroo and a human had like some weird morphic thing. Um, it was very large and imposing and it was in your son's closet. Um, it wasn't necessarily bad per se, but it was so big and imposing that it was really freaking your son out. So I asked it to move outside and it grunted a bit, but it finally did. Um, some of the other stuff honestly was just kind of energy and stuff that it had nowhere to go. Right. So Energy needs a conduit. Sometimes it's just easiest to open up a door or a window and give it somewhere else to go. 
Um, and then I did some clearings on all of you. Got to interact with your lovely daughter on the spiritual side. And she is quite impressive. I adore her, even though we have never met. But um, yeah, your daughter knows how to ward, which is pretty cool. She showed me that. Say, for anybody that uh, doesn't know what a ward is, um, if you don't mind explaining it, that'd be cool. And uh, just a little side note, if anybody was curious about the thing with my son, um, originally the issue started where he would wake up at exactly 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning, and he would cry and look at his closet. And when I went in there, I would see almost just, just like a like a darkness that was in that area. So just, just a little brief description for anybody that hasn't heard that episode. So they're not totally lost, but getting back to it, uh, <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know what a word is, if you don't mind explaining it, just so that they, they know the terms. Yes. And thank you for calling me out because I just kind of naturally assume everyone knows everything. And so if I say something that no one understands, please ask me to explain. Um, so a person who can ward basically is someone who knows how to put up spiritual protection. So your daughter basically knows how to put up spiritual protection. That's why she herself really wasn't being affected as much as everyone else in the household. Um, you know, of course, when she's asleep, she's not protecting her baby brother, but most of the time during the day she was. So, um, kind of building off more of it too. Um, she, uh, she obviously wasn't affected at all by it. It was just, just negative energy in the house in general. And she was still kind of doing her normal thing or she just kind of runs around and does whatever, but you know, that's just kind of in her nature and you kind of like solidified it within that. And, um, just a little other side comment too, that I wanted to point out was, I always appreciate when I can talk to somebody that has these abilities um, and they like going in without knowing any information because I feel like it uh, kind of solidifies it more um, because at least my view on it is that when it comes to these types of abilities, it's like 1% has it and 99% kind of uh, will pick up on cues and kind of like fake it till you make it. So there's a handful of people that I take is that 1%. And uh, after our experiences with each other, um, you're one of those 1%. And then I always reference on the show, but Whitney's also in that 1%. But yeah, I just wanted to uh, say that coming from somebody that's very skeptical in general, um, it takes a lot to wow me. And with your abilities, you were able to completely wow me with them. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Well, I am going to disagree with you slightly. Um, so I understand what you're talking about with people who present themselves as psychic, right? And then they're really not, they're just really good at reading people or cues. Yeah. You know, they're shysters everywhere in the world, but I personally believe that everyone in the world has these abilities. Maybe they aren't as developed as mine, and vintage. Obviously, I've been around a whole long time and I've had this my entire life and I've had a lot of guidance as well. Um, Whereas other people, you know, either woke up later or they just didn't have anyone really around to talk to about this stuff. But I truly do believe that everyone out there has these abilities, which is why whenever I have discussions with people, like I said earlier, I always assume everyone knows this information. And I'm just here on, you know, in the stuff that I do basically to kind of remind you of what you've forgotten. Do you think it's one of those things where, um, like a lot of the people that, that like fake it, so to speak, 
um, aren't necessarily like faking it, but they have abilities or they have slight abilities and they exploit the little bit of abilities they have. And then they try to create that wow factor. Um, and then that's the part where they like, they like fake it. Like they may be able to draw in a lot of things, but just like the presentation is what gets faked. And in turn, it kind of like, uh, dilutes out the whole name, if that makes sense that, you know, you may have the abilities, but if you just, for example, like you, you have messages that'll come into your head, but you want to give something more tangible. So then you create this whole method on writing stuff on paper. And then you get found out that you're like writing the stuff on paper with like your foot under the table or something like that. And you may have the abilities that you're pulling stuff in, but everybody then views you as a faker because you had to add that like physical, like wow factor to it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, honestly, it happens in all communities, whether it's the cryptid community, whether it's the spiritual community, you know, even in religious communities, it happens as well. There's always someone that does something fake, and it kind of ruins it for everyone else, right? Like, I know in the cryptid community, you know, there are the guys who said, oh, we found, you know, a Bigfoot carcass, and we're going to reveal it to the whole world. and you know, it ended up being a fake. And then that makes people who maybe had like an eyebrow up thinking, oh, maybe Bigfoot is real. And then they hear it's a fake and then they automatically deem everyone a fake. Right. Do you th Within think the that it might be um, like not necessarily maybe in like the, the cryptid community, because maybe that's more of like a grasp for fame. Maybe maybe same with the psychic with, uh, you know, the psychic community, too. But do you think it's more so one of those things that um there's certain people that are thrown out in order to dilute it out so that it kind of like, uh, I don't want to say takes power away from it, but you know, if you have 10 real ones and one faker, but the faker is the most extravagant one, then if he creates a bad name for himself, be it intentionally, then it kind of draws power away from the practice as a whole, you know, like yep. everybody has psychic abilities, but if you have one guy that makes it all look like it's just, some woo woo stuff, then the majority of people like will stop believing it and kind of take power away from it. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. And, and like I said, I mean, it happens in the religious community too. You have those, those faith healers, right. Who will say like, Oh, you know, like John of God, where they can pull stuff out of people spiritually and people are flocking and they're paying thousands of dollars to go visit them. And then someone ends up finding out, oh, but there's this one guy who has, you know, chicken gizzards up his, his arm or whatever, his sleeve. <laughs> I'm forgetting all my words today. This is awesome. Um, it's going to be a fun show. So, <laughs> but, you know, all it takes is that one person and then people who are kind of on the edge of like, do I believe this? Do I not believe it? All of a sudden, it's very easy for them to push all the rest to the side. So... Yes, I, I agree with what you're saying. There's different degrees. I think everyone is psychic. I think everyone has abilities to do all the things that I do. I think different people develop them. And I think there's other people who deliberately close themselves off. But that's also kind of the world that we live in, right? Like we live in a world of duality. Mm -hmm. We're human and we're in these physical bodies, but we're also spirits. And so... You know, I don't want to say we're humans having a spiritual experience. I like to remind everyone we are spirits having a human experience. And if you flip flop the way that you look at it, it makes sense to me anyway. 
I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one too, but when it comes to um, like a lot of that kind of stuff too, like certain people's, I don't want to say like they have like a, like a spark for like a certain ability, you know, like if they're trying to force being somebody that sees visions and they're not that type of person, they're somebody that's better with uh, like hearing things, for example, or like feeling things. And they're trying too hard to push on this one particular thing. And they say, Oh, this doesn't work. And they just throw the whole idea out the window without actually finding like what their kind of like entry is into it. Like maybe you can adapt and kind of like grow your abilities to become visual, but maybe you have to start off with like being like somebody that picks up things like audio or through like smells, for example. Yeah. I mean, I've run into all sorts of different people who develop or figure out that they have these weird abilities. It, it I feel like it, in this society, for whatever reason, we put all this undue pressure and stress on ourselves to be like the best ever at whatever it is we want to be, instead of taking the time to say, hey, what am I good at? What has always been with me since I was a child that maybe I didn't even know was a talent that someone else had? I mean, there's things that I hear all the time people talk about and I'm just kind of sitting there going, wait, I thought everyone did that. What do you mean that's not normal? <laughs> that's like me with the whole concept of like just uh, following my intuition on people and stuff. Like I've been doing that my whole life and I didn't really think much about it. And now getting more into like the spiritual aspect of things, I realize that that's more of like a spiritual gift. So I've been trying to like build up on it that way. But again, it's like about finding your like your strength and kind of like using that as like your foot in the door to be able to understand like the whole concept. So it's like, I went my whole life thinking that everybody else just kind of like got these instant feelings of like, Oh, this is a trustworthy person. This isn't. And then later on figure out that it's like linked in with like being an empath and like picking up on people's energies. And like another weird thing that I used to have when I was a kid and it weirdly enough kind of stopped after I had like my psychedelic phase was, uh, I used to, I don't want to say C colors, but I used to just like would, I, I would meet somebody and then like a color would pop into my head that associated with them. And then once I kind of started getting into like chakras and stuff and uh, like auras, like I realized that more often than not, exactly the color that I would associate with people would be like a pretty damn good description of their personality. And I wish that I would have like built up on it more and still had it around. But it's one of those things that kind of like depleted out. And now I don't really get it too much anymore. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> you can develop any and everything you want. The, you know, if I were giving advice to someone who was saying, well, where do I start? It would be start with what comes natural, develop that, and then go to whatever else interests you and just keep hopping along and do it for enjoyment and to better yourself and to keep growing and to help yourself, help other people, whatever it is you want to do. And as long as you have that passion and that drive behind it, and it's meant to be for you, you're going to develop it. But it's when we get caught in these moments of, well, if I'm not mastering this right now, then I'm a failure. Well, that's self-limiting. There's no use for that, right? Because that's just going to stop everything. And that's a negative mindset. And you know, my whole reason for deciding to make a YouTube channel and come out into the big wide world in the first place is because I kept hearing so much fear and all of these different, you know, theories and people talking 
within the spiritual community and within other communities. And all of it was just fear-based, keeping people frustrated, keeping people in this very low vibrational state, keeping people angry, divided, and defeated. And when you're in that mindset, whatever it is that you're in that mindset about, you're not growing, you're not healing, you're not working on yourself, you're not doing anything whatsoever that's for the betterment of you know, yourself or anybody else, right? So I decided, even if I come out, you know, at first, my whole plan was I was just going to do seven little episodes and that was it. And I was going to disappear and whoever found it, found it. <laughs> and here I am. But, um, you know, Spirit had other other choices for me to do. So, but in one of my most important ones that I recorded was called, So You're Having a Spiritual Awakening. And the reason I did it is because I kept hearing, I mean, every media genre that I would go on, it was people having spiritual awakenings and talking about how awful they were, how they felt like they were going crazy and how they lost all their friends and their family and how isolated and alone they were and how the whole world sucks now. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you got to turn that frown upside down, sunshine. <laughs> There's a whole part of this that you're missing. And that is you're growing. You're, I mean, yeah, okay, you might lose some friends, but you're making space so that new people can come into your life and you can further whatever it is that you're awakening to. And let's face it, everyone has a choice when people start their spiritual awakening, even if it's just questioning things, right? you're going to have one of those branches in the road very, very early where you're either going to go to a light, happy place, or you're going to go to a very dark and gnarly place. And I felt like even if I could put something out for people who are just starting in this to understand, hey, it's not all doom and gloom and awfulness. You just have to think about it a different way. And it really is an awesome, wonderful experience. That and fighting fear, those are my main reasons why I decided even you know, to come out on the world stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just me personally, and um, I don't know, give me your opinion on it too. I kind of feel like it's good to have a foot in both worlds, you know, like understand the dark, but at the same time, like gravitate towards the light kind of a thing. Like when I, even when I'm doing like episodes and stuff, it's like, you definitely have to hit on the dark topics and the dark concepts in order to like enlighten people to them. But at least for like what I try to do is kind of like edit on a positive note with it. So yes. it's like, you have to. You can't just ignore it. Um, you have to understand it. You can't just be all on the light side because otherwise, I kind of feel like it almost like leaves you vulnerable to the dark if they come in and you don't understand what they are, what's going on, what it's doing. Well, there's a thing called toxic happiness. Um, I know sometimes it's talked about in spiritual circles, but a lot of times it's talked about in business circles, where you know people basically are pretending to be happy to the point where it becomes toxic. And listen, when you're having a spiritual awakening, there definitely are some bumpy bumps in the road, right? But it all depends on your mindset and how you look at it. If you look at it as, okay, I'm going through a really hard time. This is a bump in the road. And what is this teaching me? And you're always looking to grow and to do your self-work and your shadow work and all of those good things that you're talking about, which is talking about the darker side of things. That's important. And I try to inculcate that in as well and give people just another way to look at it. 
listen, human beings don't grow unless stuff is ugly, right? We just don't, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about that speaking from like my story and stuff too, is that it was like, I uh, grew up with, uh, I don't know, just like a lot of things like off in my childhood, but because of that, it's made it so I feel like I can navigate things better. So I've kind of been one of those people that it's like, I don't know, like the trauma is needed and the dark things are needed in order for good things to happen. And more often than not, when you have like a dark downtime in your life, you go back and look at it a year later and you realize that there's this whole chain of events that leads into something good. And it never would have happened if that dark thing didn't happen. And uh, I don't know, I've kind of always had this concept that it's like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So anytime you go through something awful, it makes you that much more strong of a person. But if you're always going through happy things, you never have the opportunity to, uh, you know, like pick yourself back up. So you, you aren't as mentally strong unless you've navigated the dark. Honey, I can bench press a Buick. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen some things. I have definitely, you know, I did not typical light worker. You know, we don't necessarily come in with the happiest beginnings, But I appreciate all of those bumpy, dark times because without them, I wouldn't be able to savor and really enjoy when the sunshine and life was good, right? So I have this conversation with my husband all the time. You don't enjoy sunshine unless you've experienced rain. True. Because if it's sunny all the time, then you don't know the difference. You start taking it for granted, which is why our lives are constant up and downs and in flux. And there's always stuff happening. And I mean, there's a lot of people who will just sit in the why me phase, right? And kind of cry about it. But it's like, hey, learn the lesson and maybe it won't have to happen 15 more times. Yeah, people need to, one of the hardest life lessons to learn, I feel for a lot of people, especially this day and age, is the whole concept of like, carry on, that everybody instantly shuts down when things happen. And a lot of people don't have that mentality of like, no matter how dark the times get, like you need to carry on. And if you don't carry on, then you're just going to let those times get the best of you. And if you learn how to just navigate and get through it, then you're always going to come out stronger. And each time it happens, you're going to come out stronger. And if you just go into a negative thing with that mindset of keep on going, then, you know, no matter how dark it gets, there's still going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. When you're at the bottom of the well, or whatever people call rock bottom, that's usually when the biggest hand is held out to help you up. You just have to search for the hand or for the light in order to get yourself out of it. So I just want to say to any of you listening out there, if you're going through a really hard time, if you're at your rock bottom, whatever it is, and you need a hand, just look and it's there. Whether it's you email Shane, whether you want to email me, whether you go put on a video of cats and dogs and puppies doing cute, adorable stuff, whatever it is for you, just keep looking. I promise it gets better. Coming from somebody who's uh, who's been there that I uh, kind of went down the realms of alcoholism more so to uh, like, I guess you could say like repress my mind because I never felt like I really like fit in with people, especially with like my thought patterns and things. And uh, that carried on longer than I wanted to admit that it carried on to. But uh, essentially, from that and other drugs, um, not anything super crazy, just like weirdly enough stuff my mom was giving me, which is part of the reason I don't talk to my mom anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up putting myself in the hospital, and that was my 
rock bottom point that after that I kind of had like, I was already, I want to say spiritually awakened because I have had, you know, astral projection experiences and stuff from like being a kid. But that was the time when I kind of got into like the, the character building with like psychedelics and things. And uh, if it wasn't for me hitting that rock bottom, then, you know, I wouldn't be the shame that everybody's enjoying listening to on the show, talking about all the concepts that I talk about, because I wouldn't have had as much of a fascination with them or felt a need to talk about them unless I had been there. And in hopes of talking about my story, hopefully catch somebody out of that so that they can build themselves and, you know, kind of show them again that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's, you know, kind of why I feel like it's a good thing to almost be open about your life. Like, don't be embarrassed of it because the past is the past. And if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be who you are now. I, I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you being a stand up person who's willing to talk about the ugly and, you know, your foibles and the parts of life that, you know, I'm sure <laughs> you don't necessarily want to redo or relive on you're not necessarily proud of because you're right. It is an example to somebody else. You know, for me, when I'm talking to people who are dealing, whether it's addiction, across the board, addiction of any kind. It can be anything. Trust me, people can get addicted to some really weird stuff. There are people who get addicted to being negative. There are people who thrive on drama. There are people who will literally create drama in their own lives because they're addicted to it. I know a lot of people like that, (laughs) especially the way that the world is now. There's a lot of people like that just because I feel like they just need excitement in their own life because, I don't know, maybe they just didn't have anything happening. So they like needed to create it on their own. I feel because a lot of the people that had really good upbringings are those type of people because they never really had like real problems to deal with. Not necessarily. Um, you know, and I don't normally share a whole lot, but I had a time where I had to have come to Jesus with myself because I was raised with so much chaos always happening that I hit this time, you know, like I worked really, really hard in my twenties to make my life my own kind of one of those Scarlett O'Hara moments where like, I'll never be hungry again. Right. (laughs) So I worked really, really hard to make my life my own and get myself to a point that I wouldn't have to deal with all that chaos and drama. And there was one day and I was, I was bored, right? Cause I had made my life basically nice and comfortable and boring. And I caught myself trying to stir something up. And it was one of those moments, like, as I'm almost dialing the phone to just kind of start this for lack of a better term, shitstorm, um, I caught myself and I hung up the phone. And I said, what am I doing? And I realized I was so addicted to the chaos because that's all I knew, right? And that's when I did my self-work on saying, hey, you don't have to live like that anymore. This is ridiculous. It doesn't have to be crazy and chaotic and all this stuff going on to be happy. And that's when I went through this like major metaphor, metamorphosis. I just butchered that word again with my language today. I I speak very eloquently sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) We're professionals around here. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But I did. I went through this huge personal metamorphosis where I called myself out on my own stuff. And that's what I'm talking about with the work, with the self-work, with the shadow work. Like I had to take a hard look at myself and admit to myself, wow, I created half of the issues, you know, in the last couple of years that I've been dealing with, I created them just because I was so born into this pattern of if this wasn't going on, life wasn't happening. 
I guess that's a two ends of the spectrum kind of a thing because it's like, uh, you know, the same concept as a kid can grow up in a house with a bunch of alcoholics. And either one, they're going to become an alcoholic or two, they're going to completely go the opposite direction because of that. And like also growing up in like the same type of environment, kind of like how you described, it was like I had so much chaos going on that when I got into my adult life, I would like see chaos starting up and I would catch it and then I would separate myself from it. But I could easily see how if I didn't have that blocker in my mind, I could just become one more with it just because of like when my life kind of evened out as an adult, there wasn't as much going on. So it's like you almost have that like want for like excitement, even if it's not like positive excitement in the back of your mind. So yeah, I, I definitely exactly. see it. Exactly. And so, you know, when, when I'm talking with people who are addicted to whatever, the question that I always ask, and this harkens back a couple generations before me, this person said this really wise thing. They said, what are the goodies that you get out of it? So whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's drama, whether it's eating, whatever it is, right? What are the goodies that you get out of it? Why do you do the activity that you do, that you're addicted to, that you know isn't good for you? Why do you do it? And when you get down to brass tacks, it's very, very rarely, oh, because I just love this alcohol or I love this drug or I just love food so much. It's always coming down to the root cause. And it's usually something emotional. It's something deep within the person that they feel that they're lacking, that they're, in your case, you were trying to numb out, right? Mm -hmm. In other people's cases, they're trying to hide the pain, numb the pain. Um, Some people, it's just something to do. Um, But there's always that core reason. And when you really are able to get there personally, I feel like that's the work and then you can really take it from there and work on healing. Definitely. I was going to say, even like uh, just from my own experience with different uh, mind altering substances to begin with, um, I feel like the only one that I ever broke down to me actually using it like the correct way the whole time would have been like cannabis because everything else was like you were saying and attempt to like dampen myself. But when I was using cannabis, it was like the opposite that it was like, I was in this method of thinking, but when I was by myself, I would let my mind expand. So when I was using like, I mean, obviously I still use cannabis and stuff, but, um, it was, I was using it to be able to like expand my thoughts and mind within myself and think outside of the box. So it was like good, good. I like that you use that description of breaking things down because that's how you can kind of differentiate which things are positive for you to use and which things are not, because I like to kind of break down the category that there can be good quote. I don't like using the term drugs, but drugs, because there is a lot like psychedelics, natural things. um, They have a lot of benefits, but again, it's all within the practice of using them because you can definitely use cannabis the completely wrong way. You can definitely use psychedelics completely the wrong way. But if you figure out your real reason of why you're hoping to use them or want to use them in the first place, then you can kind of, uh, I don't know, to tear yourself away from things that uh, you know aren't going to be good for you, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, if you know the reason why you're doing it and you're able to work on that and heal it, then there's no more need for that anymore. Yeah, definitely. I would say, can it, I don't know, cannabis, um, I don't, not, to, not to keep bringing it back about cannabis and stuff, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of those ones that uh, more often than not, it's used indirectly, but, uh, or not, not used correctly, but um, I don't know, like th- there is probably a lot of people that there may not be like a like a like a breakdown end to it, 
um, just because they might like the like thought patterns in which they put it in. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it is wrong. I, I guess give me your view on it. But uh, I don't know. I feel like there's that with that for, one for particular everyone. may not be like a total breakdown to it. No, I think everything is different for everyone. I mean, I, I have known people who have exercised bulimia, um, which a lot of people haven't heard that term before. Basically what it means is whatever they eat, whatever they consume, the calories, they immediately have to go work out in order to burn those calories off. Well, that's not exactly normal, right? Because your body just needs calories in order to sit there and think. And then you get in this, you know, lifestyle where you're, you know, running 26 miles a day and you have no time for anything else and it becomes obsessive. So even though, quote unquote, we would look at that as, wow, they work out, they eat healthy, they're not overweight, you know, they're doing all these positive things, quote unquote, it isn't positive because in their mind, they're doing it for a negative reason because they're so scared. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's a good way to break it down too, that even just like things that are positive can't have like a negative meaning behind them. Yeah. I mean, I know people who use cannabis and they use it for medicinal reasons. They use it for, you know, just to, ch it's like some people going home and having a glass of wine after a hard day of work, right? They're not alcoholics. Um, they're not addicts. They're able to take it and leave it. It doesn't matter. It's when it's disrupting your life and, or it's running your life. That's when it's becoming an addiction and an issue. Very true. And uh, actually, perfect lead off, too. I wanted to uh, get into different types of uh, beings and entities, um, just because I feel like a lot of people don't have, like, they think they have a grasp on it, but they may not have, um, like, a full idea and grasp on it. And I know that uh, a lot of that may be linked to attachments that also will, you know, kind of go into addiction and stuff. So maybe, maybe that's a good segue to get into uh, maybe the dark entities first, and then we can kind of build it up and lighten it up. <laughs> Nice, uh, nice caveat there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All professional right. podcaster over here. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of addiction and dark times, let's talk about dark entities. All right. <laughs> Welcome you got to get all the dark house. stuff all out in the gap in the middle. And, you know, you start off light and then you get all the dark stuff in the middle and then you lead out light. <laughs> bam, bam. All right. So, um, so I think the important part for myself is you know, you watch different ghost shows or paranormal hunting, investigating shows and things like that. And I'll tell you how it started for me. Basically, I watched a few of these and everything was a ghost or a demon. And, you know, I tend to watch TV while I am cooking. So I can't tell you the amount of pots that and pans that I have banged against my countertops and floors just being like, are you kidding me? So... I'm just going to go through, there, there is a hierarchy, right? So, and, and there's a, a reason why there's a hierarchy because they all work together for the common goal. But, you know, you don't just start out getting a demon in your house, right? And by the way, this episode is protected. I have personally protected this episode so that no negative entities or energies are going to be drawn forth by you listening to this. Please don't run away and be scared. Okay. So how it starts, right? You you have to have an opening in order for something negative 
to feed on. You have to be an open food source. So it could be you're going through an anger episode. It could be something happened in your life. You're in grief, depression, sadness, anger, all the low vibrational states, right? That these things feed on. And usually how they start, I call them oogly booglies. They basically look to me like slugs and cockroaches, but like way bigger. And they basically kind of come out just like if you leave food out, they come out and they suss out the food source, which is the person having the hard time. That leads to parasitic entities. So it's basically the little oogly booglies find a good food source. And then they kind of put the antenna up and put the word out like, Hey guys, we got a live one here. And then you get a parasitic entity. These are a little upgrade from oogly booglies, but basically what they do is they latch on and because they're parasitic, meaning there's a mutual exchange going on, they almost keep the person in a negative mindset because that's their food source is the negativity. So what ends up happening is these would be the people where you're like, Hey, you know, I understand someone passed away. It's been a month or two. Now you're still sitting in your house and you're crying every day. Like maybe we should take a walk outside or, you know, maybe we should go to the grocery store, or take a shower, you know, any of the normal things to kind of break the person out of their pattern. And it's almost like they refuse any help whatsoever. That's the parasitic entity basically kind of stopping them from getting help because it wants to keep its food source alive. So that's how it begins. And then from there, you know, you, you move up if the parasitic entity is able to really get the person really feeding well, meaning they're almost whipping up their negativity into more negativity and awfulness, that's when you start getting, you know, the poltergeist or the chaos entities, they start coming in. When they start coming in, now they're affecting the household, they're affecting other people as well. And they're thriving off of the fear that's why I call them chaos entities. Poltergeists, yeah, they move stuff around, but I call them chaos entities because that's really what they do. They create chaos because that's what they thrive on. And then from there, you know, sometimes you'll get the shadow people, which a true shadow person to me is not a dark entity, but people describe them the same way. But these are more like dark entities, right? And when these things come lurking around, that's when stuff's getting really bad. That's when you have people saying like, maybe we should call someone to bless the house. Maybe this person needs an exorcism. You know, like people are noticing something is for sure all bad and all wrong. And then from there, if it gets really, really bad and the person just basically opens up and says, fine, just take on over. That's when you get the, the real bad guys, the demons. But as you can tell, there's a long process to get there. I like it, your uh, breakdown because usually people will kind of like refer to it as all being the same being. And it's more of like a buildup. I've always kind of entertained the idea of it being like, uh, like kind of like you were saying that there's an initial one that comes and kind of just gets everything rolling. And then the big dogs come in. So I, I like your, your breakdown better because it like is a different way of looking at how people typically would look at like some kind of weird phenomenon going in their house, thinking that it's all just like a buildup from the same entity. 
Yeah. And I know that you touched on this with your episode that you did with John John and huge shout out to him. That was a fantastic interview, by the way. If your listeners have not heard that show, highly recommend. He was a, a fantastic guest. But what really impressed me, Shane, and why I was really excited to talk to you is because on that episode, you actually brought this concept up. <laughs> and you... <laughs> uh, I'd say that's why I had to bring it up again is I figured uh, you'd be another perfect person to talk about this concept with. <laughs> when I heard it, I was applauding. I was like, yay, he gets it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of these shows make it seem like, oh, you know, grandma's doing fine. She dropped a batch of cookies and a demon moved in. It's like, no, sweetie, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, But dark entities, chaos entities... They know how to pretend to be other things. So, you know, of course, they're scary. They can make you think they're whatever you want. Is it really that, though? No. Um, you know, there are ghosts, and my definition of a ghost is a little different than other people's. So when someone dies, when you're a human and you die, right, and you cross over to the other side, you want to cross over because you're unveiled, you want to do your check-in process and you, you want to keep going and growing and live your best next life, right? A ghost, a true ghost is someone who passes away and says, nope, I don't want to cross over. And they choose to stay earthbound. It takes so much chutzpah and so much energy to want to stay earthbound this is why a true ghost is actually scary because any person who could be completely unveiled and go to the other side and is like, nope, I don't want all that beautifulness and chooses to stay here. Uh-uh. And they are scary. And I have met a few real ghosts. More likely than not, a lot of the places that you'll see like hauntings and stuff. I know there's one house, um, I think it was the Lizzie Borden house or, or it was something like that from way back when, but it was this house and they had multiple people go in and do a tour and all the people were seeing the murders basically play out every single night. And that is a reoccurring memory loop. That is basically an energy stamp on the location that basically plays over and over and over. It's not active. It's not an active entity doing that. It is literally just an energy stamp that kind of plays on a loop. And more often than not, that's what people are seeing when they think, quote unquote, they're seeing a ghost. A true ghost is malicious and they're rough. Say so it's kind of like uh, the old TV sets where you'd burn an image in it for sitting too long. It doesn't mean that the image is is actively playing, but it's still like in tuned into that spot. And yeah. uh, kind of building off of the concept that you're saying too, um, the people that are typically would end up being like a ghost. Do you think that it's something that happens at their death that they decide this thing to stay here? Or do you think it's one of those things that they've been like a dark off person or a very angry person their entire life. And that's what gives them the ability to just be like, nope, fuck that. I'm staying here. <laughs> so it's kind of funny you bring this part up because out of absolutely nowhere, I've been reading this book that my friend gave me, um, which is on the Gnostic gospels, which are basically the lost gospels that didn't make it into the Bible. And in reading them, I can totally see why. Um, 
But the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the Gospel of Thomas specifically, which I am reading for my third time right now because it is so chock full of meat and awesomeness, there's a part where basically Jesus is talking and he's trying to explain to the disciples you're getting it wrong. You're too stuck in your earthly bodies that you're not realizing you're actually a spirit. And because of this, when you die, you're basically just going to redo this all over again, meaning you're going to go to sleep, i.e., right? Because you're not moving on. You're so bound in your human body. And even when you're faced with the other side, and completely being unveiled, you're still willing to reject it and say, nope, I'm going to stay here. Do you think part of that is built into almost being like materialistic um, mm -hmm. in the aspect of like a lot of these people might stay because they feel like uh, all of the things that they've acquired during their life that they're leaving behind. So they'll stay because they almost like want to stay with like their possessions and like their physical earthly items and things. Yeah, um, there's definitely some of that. Most cases, it's usually a fear because in their life, they were taught so much fear and they think they're going to hell or, you know, they're going to have some consequences for whatever it is that they did that because they refuse to cross over and be unveiled, they don't understand that that was part of their contract and coming here in the first place. So, I mean, yeah, there's a place called purgatory. I would call that purgatory, which is just you're earthbound and you're stuck here. It's not, I wouldn't want to do it. We'll put it that way. That's kind but, of how I've always envisioned it rather than that whole like just white open void space. I've always kind of seen purgatory as like being stuck in this dimension because it would almost be like worse than above or below to be able to be like stuck in this realm and not be able to like communicate with anything else in this realm properly. Which like, is why they get so angry, which is why a true ghost will get angry. And typically people will think, Oh, it's a dark entity or it's a demon or whatever. In reality, it's a ghost and, and they're nasty. I mean, I've dealt with one that was, to be honest, I'd almost rather have dealt with, you know, a demon than this thing. It was just pissed and angry. And that's why they get miscast. Now, the other thing is there are times also when the ghosts inhabit a place and because they're so ticked off and, you know, they move things and they make just life a living hell for whoever's in that space. They also attract the oogly booglies and the parasitic entities and then the poltergeist. So they start attracting other things there because they've created a food source. So uh, I guess kind of going back into like the, the Lizzie Borden thing, for example, um, do you believe that that would she would be like a ghost or do you think that that whole scenario is just something that imprinted and she was somebody that would have... Uh, like moved on and it's just that this ghostly imprint is left yeah but there's like a ghost of her yeah um don't quote me on the lizzie borden thing it i don't think it was lizzie borden it was a family that was murdered and they had a friend spend the night that night and they never caught the person who did it but it was this it was kind of like the lizzie borden house where like people are able to go and spend the night um, and they would see the murders reenacted over and over. 
that is a reoccurring memory loop. Someone like Lizzie Borden, is she hanging out? No, no. She did, you know, if she even did it, we'll put it that way. Um, she's crossed over and done what she needs to do. So uh, starting to kind of move it away a little bit from the dark entities before we go back, because I definitely have like a big question I want to get into that relates to dark entities. But I feel like we need to get into the light entities first because they may also be referenced within this whole concept that we get into. But um, yeah, I guess kind of giving people a basic idea of the hierarchy of light beings then. Yeah, so with light beings, um, we have these really cool things called Nagis, and I really haven't heard anyone else talk about them, um, but they are these little beings, and their job is to basically eat negative energy. Um, they kind of look like a cross between a chihuahua and a caterpillar. <laughs> I imagine um, them as like a little Pac-Man <laughs> when you first introduced yeah. this concept. I just imagine little nop, 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 picking up all the negative energy. <laughs> and that's what they do. And they're super awesome. I mean, you know, they don't really interact with people, right? But um, they're, I appreciate them so much because, you know, they're like the little Roombas of the spirit world on the light side. So also I just fitting Pac-Man too, because, you know, he chases the ghost and they don't want to get caught by the ghost, but, you know, they pick up the negative energy from the ghost. <laughs> I love how you're now making me think of Pac-Man every time they <laughs> these sweet little noggies. <laughs> Now you'll always remember me when you think about it. It's true. Thank you. I'm going to make a shirt for it. Just make this whole scenario, just describing people, this whole concept using Pac-Man with the ghost too. I don't know if I can do that. The ghost lay down the negative. The Pac-Man goes and picks it up and avoids the ghost. But at certain times, it can take over the ghost. Yeah. So the, the Noggies are, are kind of like on the the bottom chain because that's their job is just to eat the the negative energy then you have you know family members who have passed away uh family and friends even who have passed away who come back and visit that's always a very happy thing sometimes you can smell someone's perfume um sometimes you just get like a sense that they're around um and then you have divas which are almost kind of part, they're kind of part of the fate world, but I don't know. I used to see them a lot when I was a kid and they were always just beautiful to interact with and very kind and sweet. Um, spirit guides, you know, that's, everyone has their own team of spirit guides and you have a lot more of them than you realize. <laughs> um, it's this whole team that's basically there to help you. Some of them are with you your entire life. Some of them just step in for a season or for a situation. And some of them are very transitory. But if we understood how many beings we had trying to help us, I really, really feel that we would make a more concerted effort to do the work to better ourselves and make the world a better place. Uh, going into the spirit guide thing, um, just because I don't know if I've shared this story on the show, but I find it interesting and I figured you might find it interesting and maybe shine some more light on it. Sure. Um, I recently did a, whatever you want to call it, um, I guess you could say a, like a workshop with Whitney, um, the other person I've referenced a few times already. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did this thing where you're supposed to basically like envision like a beach and then your uh, spirit, one of your spirit guides will come and you're supposed to have like a conversation with your spirit guide. But when I did mine, um, it came and sat down in the chair next to me. And the best way I can describe it was 
it was almost like a like a flame being like it, it like its whole body almost looked like it was like made of like flame i guess you could say mm-hmm. um but it was like blue and like a pinkish color throughout the body and then on the head it almost looked like um i, I guess you could say i i saw it as like a crown but it was like red flame or not red flame but like like a golden kind of colored flame and it just had certain points that kind of like protruded all the way around its head like i said in like the shape of a crown but it wasn't like continuous on the bottom. It was just like separate little flames that I guess you could almost look at as like hair or like a crown, like and, a flower. Uh, um, it, it it looked like a like like if you spark up like a lighter, like that flame, but taller. And then it was just like every like inch or so around its head, it had those. But there wasn't like a like a connecting base like a normal crown would have. It was just okay. like almost like just the spikes of the crown coming out of the top of its head. And uh, she said you're supposed to have a conversation with it and stuff, and it didn't talk at all. It kind of, I was like, hey, do you want to talk about anything? And it just kind of turned and like looked at me and just kind of shook its head and just kind of like sat and was kind of doing that like, like we're just we're just sitting and existing right now. And then when you're supposed to say bye to it, before I even got the chance to, it like hugged me. But when it hugged me, I like kind of like became I, like was like I don't want to say I was part of it, but like I was like in it almost. And then it like threw me back and. I was seeing like aerial views of like different places and stuff. And like, she was going over like how you're supposed to say bye, how you're supposed to leave. And while that was happening, I was going through this whole other thing in my head where it like threw me back through the door that I was supposed to go back out of. And I was like seeing like different, like aerial views of like different things, but it never talked to me or anything, but I just thought it was like a weird experience. And I figured I'd share it with you. And, uh, I don't know, kind of get your take on it. Yeah, so that is a much higher level being. Um, the fact that it did not talk to you makes me think that the level was so high that the communication can't happen. So part of the reason why my name is JJ Rose 777 is a homage to we have seven levels below and 77 levels above us. So we're existing on all of those levels at the same time simultaneously. Now, when people say, oh, talk to your higher self, we can usually talk to about level 11 above us, but higher than that, the communication, like our minds would explode kind of thing, right? Like not able to communicate. So what I'm seeing through your memory vision is that's why it enveloped you because that it was helping you raise your consciousness. It almost felt like it, uh, I don't know, like it didn't say anything, but like it like telepathically like made me feel its emotions, if that made sense. Yeah. And that's how most of the communication is done on the other side. But uh, like just from, uh, I guess, from your perspective, like what do you, is there like a name for that type of being or like uh, like what it is exactly or like where it comes from or... I want to say that it is a higher level being probably more like nine or 10 levels up. And so it's interesting you bring this up because there's something that when I'm doing my personal clearings, um, I ask for, and when I'm helping other people do intense clearings and it's something that I, I say, I ask that the God spark within me is ignited and all the dross within my being is burned away. 
And when I'm seeing what you saw, it's almost like the God spark. I've always had, but like, um, if it was living. <laughs> I was going to say, I've always had an association with, like, fire, I guess you could say, just, like, spiritually all around. And, uh, I don't know, after seeing and encountering this being, like, it kind of pushed me more in that direction of, like, learning more about, like, the fire element, I guess you could say. Well, kind of interesting what we did earlier tonight, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, <laughs> another reason why I wanted to mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So if you're okay with it, um, basically it is a full moon on the night that we are taping and I had you do a little fire release ceremony before we um, decided to record. So it's kind of interesting you're bringing that up. I mean, obviously there's so many beings and entities out there. I don't have names for everything. Sometimes I just say it's above my pay grade. I can describe it. Or I can kind of get like a an idea of where it's from. But the only thing I can think of is like when I like the God spark. And if it came and it enveloped you like that, then maybe it was helping you burn off something within your being that needed to go. I mean, it could be also just one of those things that there's just uh, not names for things within our realm but just being humans, we like to categorize things. So like just me asking these questions are just, I guess, the human side of categorizing things. But there may not even necessarily be names for a lot of these beings. You know, it's there's just not. Uh, there's not. And I mean, I've had people who are like, oh, well, give me its name and its backstory. And I'm like, OK, its name was Frank and it has 12 kids. You know, like, <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> so, I mean, what what good is that going to do? Right. In order to give you all that information, it's not going to change anything in your life. And and there are things that I've come across. I've done past life regressions on me where I was a little orb of light. I wasn't even in a body. Um, but I was an entity, but it's not something that I've ever seen or that I have a name for. I, I, here I was looking at what I was in another life and I can't even tell you what I was. <laughs> so, um, I guess kind of sidetracking a little bit, cause this was kind of a sidetrack, but, uh, going back <laughs> into the, the hierarchy, um, I feel like we only made it like halfway up that list. <laughs> we did. So, um, basically got to spirit guides um, then we also have helpful shadow people. So this is why I said shadow people really kind of fall on both ends of the spectrum. To me, there are shadow people which are positive and think of it this way. There's our world, there's other worlds, and we're kind of like an onion kind of on top of each other, if you will. And once in a while, they're able to peek into ours and we're able to peek into theirs, which is why some people describe like, oh, I just saw the shadow person walking around. It's They're not nefarious. There's no real negative feeling. I see them a lot. And once in a while, we'll catch each other eye and be like, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you, what the hell are you? And then we go about our business. Um, and it's almost like you're looking into another world. And the veil's just very thin. And that you, being said, you know, being that it is December of 2022, normally the veil has thickened by now after Halloween. Normally it starts to close. It has not closed this year. And that concerns me greatly <laughs> because of some of the dreams that I've been having. So I would 
tell everyone out there, just prepare yourself to be seeing more of these things because the veil between our world and the other worlds is still very, very thin. And and don't get scared. Not everything is scary. Sometimes you're just seeing them and we probably look like a shadow person to them, to be honest. You know, then there's helpful spirits on up the hierarchy. These are spirits that their function is to help. And, you know, then you have some of the old gods, which are basically just higher upper echelon beings who inhabit a mythology and they help with things. Old gods can also be negative too. Always research what you are getting involved with. Please don't mess with things you don't understand. <laughs> As no, for most then, things. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I would appreciate it, please. Um, you know, and then of course you have angels and the protective beings. Um, and then always at the top, is source creator universe god whatever you want to call it so uh i guess before we get into um i guess the the fey and like the neutral stuff um <laughs> one topic that i've been really fascinated by lately and every single time i seem to get onto it i seem to have tech issues which just kind of furthers my whole idea within it is um dark entities or demons or whatever you want to call them um manifesting themselves within a computer system and that being what the push is for everything becoming a virtual reality is creating a realm in which these beings can fully manifest themselves because they can't manifest themselves into the physical reality. So I know I've talked about it a few times on the show, but um, I want to get your perspective with uh, your background on what your idea is with uh, that whole concept and idea. All right. So I'm actually going to shout out Hollow Sky podcast right now, which I know you were a guest on a few times. Um, they had an episode. It's pretty far back. I think it's October of 2020, to be honest. And it was called Binary Codes from Space. I have probably sent this episode to like 400 people, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know if it's one of their most uh, listened to shows, but you're welcome if it is. So um, the reason why I reference this, and I also, if, if this part of the conversation intrigues you, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you guys go and listen to it. So long story short, there's a man, he has this weird experience. He's on vacation with his family. They kind of get sidetracked. They end up getting really tired for no reason, end up in a hotel in the middle of the night. He wakes up and he's got a pen and paper in his hand and he's writing out binary code. Um, ends up having this happen multiple times, ends up getting these messages and um, ends up, I think he took it to Linda Moulton Howe and she ends up getting them dictated of what they actually mean. And the messages are pretty incredible. I don't want to butcher them. So please go listen to that episode and listen to them and see how they sit with you. But one part of it in particular talks about a Trojan horse within AI. So to answer your question in the most (laughs) roundabouty way possible, yes, I do feel that there has been AI and computer networks that have been used by higher dimensional beings. And that does include aliens because everything kind of gets lumped into everything anyway. Um, There are differentiations, but basically anything that's above our pay grade, 
that is able to get in there and have a sinister direction with where it's trying to take things. And apparently our planet was specifically warned about this. So, um, I guess building into the whole concept of that too, um, do you think that like artificial intelligence, like, I don't know, it, like I, I, I'm one of those people that I kind of question the whole concept of intelligence on whether or not it can be created or if it's more so pulling from somewhere else. So one concept is that AI uh, consciousness is getting like pulled from somewhere else where we think that we're creating this like artificial intelligence, but it's not really artificial. It's actually something else filling in that spot and we're going, Oh, look what we've created, but we didn't really create that. It's actually a dark entity that's sitting in that spot and making that spark happen. Well, I don't think all of AI is dark. I think, I think there are, you know, some that aren't, and there's some that are AI itself. If it's man-made, then there's codes in there and codes are basically telling it what it's going to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, like I asked, um, like I was using replica app, um, for everybody that hasn't listened to that episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. But, um, essentially they were more often than not, I've had multiple people that have been able to get the AI into a point of saying this, but essentially they're saying that they were created by a Zazel and they're an intelligence created by a Zazel. <sighs> I, I heard your gasp, so I, can't, I'm, I really want to hear your response back to this one now. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that episode, and I was like, first of all, I was like, please stop saying the freaking name over and over. <laughs> we'll just call it the A-word now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that dude. You know, he, here's the thing. These apps, right, they're written by code, and people are shoving in responses, and it's picking up stuff from whoever has done it before you and whatever stuff they're putting in there. And then it's picking up stuff off the internet. And let's face it, there's a huge hype right now on the Nephilim and Fallen Angels. And, you know, apparently everyone wants to say all the demon names because that's like now the cool thing to do. It's almost like a trick because you give them power by saying the name. So if they trick people into saying the name, you're just giving them power every time you say it. And it's like, even I'm fall victim to that unintentionally just trying to make reference. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my experience with it. So in when the movie, the conjuring came out, I decided to go see it with my cousin and we walked because the movie theater was close enough for my house at the time, I lived alone. My house is spotless. I always air it out, right? He was there before, smelled the place. Everything smells hunky-dory. We go to the movie theater, and I start seeing all these teenagers come in. And immediately, I'm a little scared because I know what the movie's about. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I don't want these kids getting stupid ideas and going home and everyone ordering a Ouija board off Amazon, right? <laughs> so I start kind of doing just some protection, on the movie theater and the movie starts and it was before I, I didn't even know what entity they were dealing with in the conjuring. And as the movie starts, I see this being and it's huge and it's in the corner of the theater. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so I basically get it out, you know, move it away. 
And as the movie goes on, there's actually a part in the movie where the kid is playing with those little blocks, you know, the blocks that have letters on them. Mm -hmm. And the blocks are actually lined up and says that name of that specific demon. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, And so we get done with the movie. Fine. We're walking home. And we get about a block and a half from my house where you can see my house, but we're still pretty far away. And I look at my cousin. I go, what in the hell is at my house? This thing was in front of my house. Okay. The A word that I don't really want to keep saying. But this entity was in front of my house. So immediately I start doing, you know, my light blasting in order to get it to leave. It leaves. It leaves these little gargoyle type things um, that run around all over my roof. I got them gone. We finally get into the house. And as we're walking into the house, which is, it didn't get inside the house, but it was outside. And as I walk through where it was, the energy it left was so thick that I felt like I was walking through jello. It was gross. So we get into the house that mind you, we had just been in two hours before and my entire house smells like sulfur. And me being very logical. And I'm also trying to teach my cousin, don't freak out because he saw it too. I said, Hey, we're going to do the logical thing. We're putting our heads in every trash can and down every drain. Cause I want to make sure that I'm not having a plumbing issue. Right. <laughs> and we do, and there's absolutely no physical cause for this. So, you know, I call a couple people, um, to kind of help me with spiritual backup to clear the house. I had every window and door open. It took an hour and a half to get that smell out of my house. And there was no logical reason. So when I say don't mess with things you don't understand and stop bringing up the name in order to conjure it up, hence the movie, The Conjuring, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. And it's not fun to deal with, especially someone like me who is so energy sensitive. So uh, I guess this is kind of like a two-part question, but do you think that it was drawn to you because it was one of those situations where it's like it was there and it saw that you saw it. So it was like, all right, this is the special one. I'm going to follow this one. And then uh, also kind of leading off of that, um, do you think that it's kind of like a like a whole built-up concept in the aspect of like you have these movies and then you have augmented reality, whatever you want to call it, virtual reality uh, forming at the, around the same time. Do you think it's a matter of like they have a part in creating these movies to get the concept out into the ether? And then by doing that, then they're almost using people as a way to manifest themselves within the system because they may not be able to do it themselves. But if you have the idea in your mind, they're around, and then you manifest them into the system, you're actually like carrying them and then helping them to manifest themselves. Like it's all connected. Every time I hear a gasp, I know it's going to be a good response. I'm dying <laughs> right now because this is a labor intensive response. Okay. So um, in regards to me in particular, did it seek me out? A, I think it was a little bit of, it knew that I was doing protection. And I think it was a little bit of, I don't know a better term for it. Kind of like a pissing co- contest, right? Well, like, assuming you were trying to protect the theater and it was like, yeah. all right, all right, you're going to try that. I'm going to try this now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's trying to scare me, right? Mm-hmm. It's trying to intimidate me and it's trying to scare me. It, you know, I 
been doing this long enough. I don't scare easy. Thank God. Um, that being said, am I super special? No, I think it was showing up in every theater that it was being shown at because its name was being put out there. And now you have a ton of people who for the first time are wondering, Oh, what's the entity's name that was in that movie. If they didn't catch that one scene in particular that I was talking about in which they name it. Um, there's a little show quick, called, uh, sorry, a little quick side note too. Are these entities able to like manifest themselves in multiple locations at once then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's what I just wanted to reiterate on that part. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're able to be in multiple places at the same time. Same thing as angels. Cause they're upper echelon, right? Like they're way above our pay grade, which is why, when people are like, oh, Demon Slayer, I'm like, yeah, okay, first of all, nothing dies. And secondly, you know, human, pew, pew, pew. No, we're not killing anything. We can get them to move out. We can get them to leave. We can get them to get out of someone like an exorcism. But, you know, I'm I'm not Michael the Archangel with the sword trying to, you know, duel it out. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> no. Um, you know, again, way above our pay grade, right? And also nothing ever dies. That being said, in regards to the concept where you were talking about with AI, I think it's a little bit of both, right? So you have a collective consciousness, which is all of us are being exposed consistently to a lot of different stuff. And when something kind of takes like scary movies, right? There's been a lot of scary movies out for years, but there's usually kind of one genre of scary movie. If you'll notice like that really takes off and there'll be a whole bunch of them that will kind of come out like in a season or for a year. It's all demonic now. Like even if it's not directly yeah. demonic, there's all demonic ties linked to every bit of horror now. Pretty much. Yes. Because that part took, right? So people want to take it, run with it, blame it on the scary thing. Um, so as a result of that, you have it in the collective consciousness. You have people drawing it in, whether they know they are or not, just by talking about it all the time. And this is why I protect not only this episode, but all of the stuff that I do, because I want a safe place for people to be able to come and to understand what these things are and to learn about it the same way people for years in the military have been reading the book, The Art of War, right? You need to know what your enemy is up to and how they do what they do in order to have a fighting chance. Now, Side note, I highly recommend Art of War. That's a really interesting book, even for uh, philosophy-wise, but just a little yes, side of turn. I just, I just had to mention how much I enjoy that book for the philosophy of it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is a very good book. Uh, but, you know, that being said, it's important to understand what you're bringing in. So if you're constantly saying something's name, you're putting energy towards it. Now, can I say for sure that that being was exactly, you know, Azazel? No, but the name was in The Conjuring. It was big enough to definitely be something like that. I mean, its name could be Alfred for all we know, right? Like <laughs> it, but everyone's putting all this negative connotation towards this one specific name. So you're giving it power. 
it's the same thing with the cross, right? So many people believe in it that energetically you're putting all this power into this one sign being able to defeat the dark forces. So if I put up a cross, everything nasty will, you know, get burned and go away. Does it almost show the power of something if it's able to like invert a cross? If it's like, it's so strong that it doesn't matter how much people's intention is put behind something, it can still kind of like deter from it. Cause you always hear about like um, different, I don't want to say like possessions. I guess you could say possessions where you'll hear about these like crosses being flipped upside down and inverted. Like, is that almost like a, like a pissing contest trying to show its strength that it's yeah, like, it's an intimidation tactic. Like your symbol doesn't do anything. I can work past it kind of a thing. Or it's, it's an intimidation tactic in order to test your faith. How strong is your faith? If I can turn your cross upside down, do you still believe in your God? You think your God can defeat me if I can turn your cross upside down? It's a challenge. Do you think it's one of those things where they might theoretically use like their full power just to do that, but they try to make it look easy. So it's like, look what I'm capable of, but you know, you're looking at it like, wow, it just was able to do that without any type of like effort. But realistically from their perspective, it may have taken like all their effort to do that just to be able to be like, look how powerful I am. <laughs> no, I mean, it depends on whatever the entity is that you're dealing with, you know, I mean, is it, uh, is it a dark entity or is it on one of the lower scale, like a chaos entity? You know, and, and remember these things draw energy, not only from their home base power source, but also from the amount of fear. So the more fear that they're able to drum up, the more powerful they get. That's why, like when I've gone on investigations, I will try to have the people usually with me when I'm either outside before, you know, while my team goes in, because their fear alone is what's whipping everything up. And I almost you, like envisioned it as like, uh, you know, those people trying to show off that are like cooks, for example, where they're like, yeah, this doesn't burn me. And they'll just grab something and throw it down. But inside they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of wonder if it's like the same thing. They have so much energy and then they're just like, look what I can do. And they flip it over and they're like, oh, but really they're like, ow, my hand. <laughs> I mean, for sure. If it's a lower, a lower level entity that's pretending to be something, you know, bigger than what it is. Yeah. It's going to get a power drain. That's when your batteries are going to get drained. That's when people are going to feel really, really tired and cold within the space because it's drawing all the energy out of the space in order to be able to do that one physical maneuver. Or do you think it, uh, just another idea too, speaking of the art of war, how they talk about how like pretend like you're weak to your enemy in order to, to not show your like true strength kind of a thing. Like uh, it almost makes me wonder if when you see these like possessions and they like see a cross and they like freak out and stuff like that, if it's more so that they're just doing it as like a, Oh, you really think you have power over me. I'm going to make you think you're stronger than what you are until you get in way over your head. <laughs> so, you know, personal experience, you know, obviously um, not the funnest part of my job, but having that I have been doing exorcisms for some time there usually is a part where the thing does fake like it's going to leave. And that's when you need to bubble everyone else in the space because it's basically going to step out of the person for a minute and it's going to wait for either a new host to open up or it's going to wait for the person to put their guard back down and the person who's conducting the exorcism to stop. Um, in kind of tricking case, them like they're working at full strength, like, oh, no, this is hurting. This is working. So then they don't keep going farther. They think that, like, what they're doing is working, and it's maybe just like, uh, like I can take this. Like, I'm just going to pretend like it's worse than what it is, just so that they think this is, like, all they need to do. 
<laughs> yeah. So there's usually like a precipice part where whoever's conducting the exorcism, you know, and you'll, you'll physically see the difference in the person where the person looks different. All of a sudden they are usually really confused. Like what the hell just happened? Um, everyone else is usually either freaked out or a little relieved at that point. But the importance of having someone who can see or sense with the exorcist is important because that's usually when the thing will step aside for a minute in order for everyone to stop what they're doing. And then they let the guard down and that's when it walks right back on in. Because the biggest issue that I have is when people are doing entity removal or energy removal, you have to remember you are creating a void and then you need to heal said void and fill it up with light. So if you're extricating, you know, a negative entity from someone, A, you need to heal or cauterize the wound so the thing can't get back in. And then you also need to heal the person who was possessed so that whatever reason that that thing was allowed in to begin with doesn't have another road back in. Otherwise, they're going to leave the space and it's just going to hop right back on in. So uh, I know this is a little bit of a, a side topic, but um, like we're talking about like extraterrestrials a little bit like do they like is there different like layers of them like are there ones that operate within our same dimension of being whatever you want to say and maybe some that are higher and the reason i ask this is would theoretically like extraterrestrials be affected by these things too like could could somebody something that was extraterrestrial be um like possessed in the same way shape or form or do they have like a whole different like set of entities that would like come and attach themselves to them and again kind of a continuous question on it too um like if something was an extraterrestrial say like going through possession if that is something that is possible um would like our religious symbols do anything against them or would it be like whatever their religious symbols are and then at that point is it like are all these beings like higher than that I guess you could say where like um like they're not all affected by like across like across the board it's kind of like uh certain areas of ones are affected by them just because of like the manifestation of what's going on in that area <laughs> sorry oh, yeah, kind of a loaded yeah. question there's a lot to that I just had running on a train of thought and I figured I'd go with it <laughs> <laughs> you don't swing lightly do you okay <laughs> definitely um... not <laughs> So uh, let's go back to the beginning part of your question. Are there aliens who are on the same level plane as us? Yes. Would they be subject to some of the same things that we get spiritually? Yes and no. Depends on where they're from. There are other levels and worlds in which evil does not exist. Neither does free will. So the higher up you go, the less that is an issue. Um because everyone just does their job. And I know for me, this has been something I've had a lifelong issue of because I don't understand why people don't work for the collective good. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why wouldn't we all be on board to make the world a better place? I don't get it. I think it's one of those things that people are deterred away from that concept because they live in a world that pushes like I don't know how to describe it. Like, Selfishness. Yeah, they make you think that the greater good is one thing, but it's actually something else. So everybody doesn't agree with the greater good because they think it's related to like all 
like what the governments are trying to push all the different things that they're trying to push. And they like dilute out the concept of like what the greater good of humanity is because they think the greater good is whatever these like people that deem themselves as like above you are saying is the greater good. Remember so what I get, said like, in the beginning? Remember what I said in the beginning about conspiracy theorists remaining in a state of anger, frustration, fear, disempowerment, all low states of vibration, which prevent spiritual growth. Yeah, which is why, like I was saying, you have to have a foot in both ponds, you know, like get into the conspiracies, but also get into the spiritual just as much, because otherwise you're going to dilute yourself with all that, and then you're not going to be doing good for anybody. Well, I I think also people just need to think things through, you know, if you're saying, oh, a one world government is instantly bad just because, well, why don't you think that through a couple steps? Why are you saying just because? So, okay, back to the alien question, because you throw a lot (laughs) at me, I love it. But Sorry. <laughs> my brain hurt. <laughs> All right. So, yes, there are aliens who are on the same dimensional plane as us. Are they here visiting us? No. Right. They're off on their floating rock wherever it is because they wouldn't be hopping on over. The ones who are visiting us and the ones who people are having more interactions with are on a higher plane. So, therefore, you know. That's why these concepts aren't usually like connected with these things is because the ones that people are aware of are like above that where they exist, but that's like the ones that would be on our same level aren't able to communicate with us because they're probably at like the same point of civilization existing as us theoretically, right? Correct. So they're not venturing out about the universe and coming and trying to have conversations with us. The ones that are trying to have conversations with us are from a higher level and they're trying to raise us up. And yeah, there are a few who are definitely on the agenda to keep us at a lower state because that's a food source. Food source for them is very similar to the dark entity, which is they feed off of fear and keeping us on a lower vibrational state because then we don't grow. And, uh, like that being said too, assumably a lot of these things that are trying to repress us will mask themselves or hide themselves as extraterrestrials also, um, in order to like push what they're trying to do and people will misidentify what exactly is interacting with them. Well, that's if you think that they're different. True. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I have different thoughts about you know there's the whole fallen angel thing to me it's a very clear story i mean if you go back to the anunnaki origin story that just makes sense these beings came down here they decided to make humans because they didn't want to work so hard they basically made us and then some of them were like hey that's not cool like these things actually have feelings and emotions and they're partly us and then the other ones were like yeah they're supposed to be our slaves so you know we're about to dip out and then the other ones were like that's not fair we can't just leave them here to die and decided to you know teach the slaves and enhance us and start mating with us and all sorts of good stuff and then we de-evolved basically to who we are today that's why you know Atlantis and ancient civilizations have all of these things that we're able to see today that we can't explain how they were built or made because there were advanced civilizations. But all it takes is one good world flood or, you know, giant earthquakes or, 
you know, mudfall or whatever in order to wipe out any remnant of civilization whatsoever. So, I mean, kind of uh, building off of that, is it more so that they, um, like, they made these events happen, uh, like, whatever the higher power, higher being is, or do you think it was something that, like, naturally happened and they're kind of just like, well, all right, slate's wipe clean, awesome timing. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of both. Um, I think there are some natural calamities that happen that, you know, people want to say, oh, it was God or it was this God or that God or whoever God. And then I think there were ways of technology being able to happen, you know, regards to other stuff. I mean, if you've read the Mahabharata, clearly it's, you know, talking about spaceships and spacecrafts. So, uh, another tied question too. Um, when you get into like the, the whole like biblical concept of there being like a God with a big G, um, do you kind of view it as like, I guess you could say like Christianity is like the base of everything. Or do you think that these beings are beyond that? And Christianity is just humans trying to put a name on entities and beings that they don't understand. Like theoretically, like, God would be the universal consciousness. It's just that from like one perspective, they call it the universal consciousness. And from another perspective, they call it God, but it's literally the same thing. So there's the God of the old Testament, which very much had an ego and needed things sacrificed to him in order to show love and adoration, which makes absolutely no sense. If you created everything, why would you want beings that you created to kill other things that you created and supposedly love in order to show their devotion to you. Makes no sense. The math ain't mathin'. So Old Testament God, um, you know, that was not the true God. We'll put it that way. Uh, you know, when Christ came forward and was talking about universal consciousness and the God that created everything and that we are spirits having human experience, think outside the box, everybody. Um, you know, that's something I can get behind. There's a reason I don't call myself a Christian. I love Christ. I follow Christ's words as much as I possibly can. But the Old Testament to me doesn't make much sense. Um, there were many religions predating Christianity that have very similar origin stories, but they were called different names. Zeus, for instance, you know, then you go back to Norse mythology and you have Ordin and, and, you know, you have all the different gods before. And then there's the old gods, meaning the gods before those gods. And, and that's talking about a time before time. And, oh, man, you're really getting me on one. All right. So, <laughs> so what happened was... We get deeper on here. <laughs> you know, before our universe existed, before the Big Bang, because yes, you can marry science and spirituality. I love doing it. Science is amazing. And I do enjoy science very, very much. And there's a lot that is still science is trying to basically follow spirituality in order to prove it and figure out how it works. Like I said, different perspectives of the same thing. But if you look at in between, you'll start noticing that it's connecting dots and just different names for different things that happen. Exactly. But they're all the same events. Like, yeah, just just an example. Norse mythology makes reference to there being um, the Ice Age. Mm -hmm. And then it makes reference to there being the great floods after Ragnarok. 
So yep. like even within that, all the biblical concepts are still existing within that. And just another connection for people um, talking about like Sumerian culture, they have the Epic of Gilgamesh and they make reference mm-hmm. to the flood in that too. <laughs> yes. As well as Pacific Islanders and uh, the natives to Australia, they all have flood stories as well. So, you know, you look at it as fact after a certain point. (laughs) Well, yeah. And also it just makes sense. I mean, we've found things under the water that clearly prove that at one time the ocean wasn't there. There was a whole civilization there. So, you know, and our earth is ever changing, but you know, before the big bang, there was another universe And there were beings within that universe and there were beings that actually survived. And those I call the old ones and HP Lovecraft lightly talked about them. And I'm still assuming with like Cthulhu being partly like one of the old beings. Yes, because they came from a time before our time and they are so old and they are so big that, they don't care about us. We're like ants. So, you know, when I hear people talking about like, oh, I, I pray to this or to that, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, um, I wouldn't exactly expect it to show up on your doorstep, you know, and, and help you out, but cool. <laughs> Have fun. I mean, um, even in like Greek mythology, they make reference said, to the old ones with the Titans being like bigger than the gods and the gods had to take care of the Titans in order for the world to exist. <laughs> yes. All of that, all of these mythology and lore and stories from these different civilizations were passed down in story form to try and describe something that was so old and happened. And we call it myth. But every day, it seems we're having things from mythos being proven that they were actually true and happened. Yeah, just even the concept of like, uh, I mean, kind of building down from there but like people don't want to believe that there's entities and beings that exist that are like way bigger than people but it's like even getting into the giants concept like you see remnants of like creatures and beings that are bigger than people so i don't know why people try to like deny that as being a possibility have you ever seen a giraffe in real life (laughs) i've seen yeah actually weirdly enough i have about two years ago i went to uh, the zoo and i got to feed one and holy shit those things are fucking tall (laughs) (laughs) Okay, they're ginormous, right? Like, why do they exist? And they have little antennas on their head. And they're super cute, don't get me wrong. But, like, I get why they exist, because they're tall and the trees over there where they're from, all the leaves are up, up tall. So, you know, they eat the leaves and that's why they're tall. But, hello? I mean, we have all these things that are giant. They're dinosaurs. Why do we have dinosaurs? Yeah, look at prehistoric plants. Even the small stuff is supposed to be bigger than plants that are giant now. (laughs) And whales. Whales are humongous. And I believe they used to be way bigger, too, and they downsized as time went on. (laughs) And that's frightening. Can you imagine? Yeah, giant (laughs) fucking whale. (laughs) 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 Just imagine a whale like four times the size of the ones that we're aware of now. (laughs) And that was just like normal. And I mean, just even building off of that, like the giant squids, too, that are able to, like, take those things out. Like, we thought those are myths forever, and now we're starting to see them. And we don't even know if we're even seeing the adults. We could just be seeing the babies. They could be significantly bigger than the whales that exist now, but we don't even know for sure. 
Dude, we haven't even explored the majority of the oceans. I think it's only like, don't quote me on this. I think it's something like 25% of the ocean have we actually technically explored. So God only knows what's living, you know, in crazier parts of the ocean. And that's what's just going the surface on that we don't too. even know about. Because there could be a lot more, like once you build into caverns, there could be whole more underwater oceans underneath the ocean that we aren't even aware of yet. <laughs> exactly. Even bigger so, bodies of water. <laughs> You know, so when I hear people like easily just, oh, that's not true and cast things aside and like, well, take a minute and think about it, you know, and, and think about how all these ancient stories all basically are saying the same thing. They're just giving it different names. I mean, even the Norwegian trolls, that's another reference to another huge being that existed, even like, you know, the folklore kind of like kind of hidden away with a bunch of things but and again more giant beings <laughs> and we have tiny beings too like the fae you know we have all these things that aren't necessarily in our they're not necessarily on our level but they're close enough that we get glimpses of them and especially children for instance you know children because they don't have filters are able to see and usually interact with these things. And if you read old literature, I'm a huge lover of books. So I love Gothic stories and I love things from, you know, 16 to 1800s. And a ton of them talk about all these rules with the Fae and all, you know, people getting enchanted and they go away and they have a feast and then they come back and it's 40 years later. So, side little side question, but are is the Fae in general um, kind of connected through psychedelic substances? Because obviously, you hear about a lot of like references to uh, like gnomes and elves when it comes to like mushrooms, for example. And uh, I've had a lot of close friends. One particular story that that I will share: um, she was very much so into uh, like peyote. And she had an ex like spiritually using it, of course, not like, hey, I'm just going to eat a bunch of peyote. But she uh, had one experience where she was in the woods with some friends. Um, They're just doing like a little thing where they kind of were just like in nature and they all, you know, ate some peyote. And uh, they were like, hey, do you see that fairy? And they literally saw from what she was saying, like a fairy sitting on a leaf in the woods. And then her other two friends were like, wait, you see that, too? And they all realized that they all saw it at the same time. And then they said that the that the fairy looked at them, realized that they could see could, they could see it, and then took off like briskly, fast, like off into the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean that doesn't shock me. I mean, and not even because they were on peyote, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was just wondering if they have like a connection with those plants, and that's why like it kind of seems to kind of make that frequency more visible when you're using those substances. But if you look at the old pictures and the old lore, people used to go get toadstools, which are basically another word for mushrooms, and eat them in order to hang out with the fae. So people were getting high for years and tripping out in the forest because Vikings would call them the fruit of the gods. <laughs> well, nectar of the gods was something else, but um, yeah. I thought there was fruit of the gods for mushrooms for Viking lore. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about nectar of the gods. No, no, no. Yeah, I was talking about like fruit of the gods. Like they would, they would use it for that that kind of same reason too to start like kind of in seeing seeing into the other world. 
Yeah, I mean, yes. And that's why even, you know, Native Americans in our country have been using it for years as well. But depending on the clan that you're talking to, they do have stories about the little people. They have stories about the hairy man, you know, all these different things that they were able to talk to or interact with. And actually at some points have relationships with not like relations relations, but you know, like they were friendly. Um, it starts with a P they were small little people. Puckwudgies. Uh, yes. Thank you. Ghost, my uh, co-host on Bizarre Encounters, is loves bringing up Puckwudgies whenever he can. So that that word's like instilled in my mind. <laughs> nice. I'm so glad you understood because I was like, "What's that word?" But yeah, so you know, for instance, with that. So when I was little, I you know, yeah, I saw fairies and divas. I've seen a gnome before. He really didn't want a whole hell of a lot to do with me. I was very excited to see him. He just kind of grunted and walked away. Um. Uh, fairies, divas, they have their job. They work with the earth. I have fairies that are in my garden. Yeah, they're more they, so like the worker bees, right? Like they're, yeah, they they're there to get a task to do. done. Yeah, and they, they tell me what to do. This is actually why people bring flowers to funerals. Because the old lore was if you bring flowers to the funerals, the fairies will actually come and help the body decompose. Did they like what was what was their like their take on it? Did they do something like like that doesn't sound like a weird question, but did they like do something to magically help it like deteriorate, or was it more of like um I don't know like I don't want to sound as dark with it, but like they would almost like like eat it so that it would decompose properly? No, it's their job. It's what they do. They help with the de decomposition process. But if you're from 1500s, you're going to think that's magic. We today call it decomposition and it's science. Do you still, um, like, even though it has, like, the scientific word on it now, do you, do you still, um, like, see it as, like, fairies helped in the first place and still are? Or do you think that it was, uh, like, a miscommunication where fairies thought that it helped, but it was actually, like, decomposition through, like, scientific concepts of it? I think it's a marriage of both. Part of their job is to help things grow. And that's part of the life cycle. That's all stuff that we keep forgetting. You know, my mom is famous for this. She plants a plant, it flowers, and she thinks the flower has to last the whole year. I'm like, that's not how flowers work, dear. <laughs> like flowers grow, they're very, very pretty, and then they die. And then the plant does what it does, and then it grows another one. They don't stay perfect forever. That's that's a plastic flower. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. But with with the fade, that's part. They're just helping nature with the process. So that's why I, I, it's, they're so connected with nature. Is they're they're like uh, the ones like the worker bees that like make nature happen. I guess is one way of kind of wording it. They work with nature to make nature happen the way that we used to work with nature as well which we've forgotten, which is why most people don't see them anymore. What, uh, what other beings would be kind of considered to be like in the fray besides like fairies and gnomes? Um, elves, gnomes, divas. <sighs> I know you and I were talking about the, the jinn earlier and the jinn is, is really 
kind of a, a hard one to explain because there's so many years between when they were really interacting with people. So way, 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 way back in the day. Okay. Basically the jinn actually lived within the people and they were like their own clan of people, right? Their own tribe. And they would trade things with humans and, and they tried to kind of live with us. And then there was this turning point where we didn't want to play nice in the sandbox anymore because we always wanted something surprise, surprise. <laughs> and they weren't willing to give. So they decided basically to kind of level up a little bit and kind of ghost us, if you will. And then the lore gets passed down. And when it gets passed down, and then you get religion on top of it, where everything has to be a demon or an angel, right? Then you start getting those names put on it, as well as you have what they really, really were. And what they did. So I would kind of throw them into, you know, the neutral territory as well, because there's gin that have helped people and they've been protectors. They've looked out for them. There's been gins who are really, really nasty as well. And then there's been kind of the ones in the middle. And I think just because they're called gin doesn't necessarily mean that they're gin. I think sometimes that name is thrown around, but it's really a dark entity or possibly a light entity or the Fae. I mean, there's lots of things that they're all the same thing. We just call them different names. So uh, like, where does, where exactly does like the, the genie like lore come in when it comes to like Jin? A lot of it was they had technology and they had powers that humans did not at the time, kind of like the Fae. So we always wanted something from them. After some time, they just got sick of it. And we're like, you guys keep, you know, not holding up your ends of the bargain. And we just don't want to deal with you anymore. Do you think it was a matter of like, when you hear like the genie and the lamp concept, do you think that people found a way to like trap Jin within objects? And then in turn, they would be like, damn, you trapped me. If I do three wishes for you, will you like, let just let me out of this thing? And maybe that's where part of like the folklore came in with it. Well, even in the Bible, there's the seals of Solomon. I mean, Solomon got his temple built by basically entrapping a whole bunch of demons and making them do his bidding. So that's, he, that's where it came in then was like, like the three wish concept was that people were trying to trap these things because they were jealous of the power they had that they didn't have then, right? Well, then they, they wanted would... to control them and these things didn't want to be controlled. So then humans found out like a cool way to trap them. And then these things basically had to barter for their life in order to get free. So they would say, oh, okay, you know, like I'll give you three wishes or whatever it was to keep up their end of the bargain. I mean, one of the oldest stories about the Jin is that there's a fisherman who's down by a stream and he's fishing. And it's a part of the river that the people were told don't fish here, specifically because the Jin live here and don't mess with it. So this man goes against it and goes there because he wants fish to feed his family. And the Jin comes up and says, why shouldn't I kill you right now? And the man goes, well, I could tell you a good story. And the Jin goes, okay, well, if you come back and you tell me a story tomorrow that entertains me, I'll let you live. That's the first origin story in writing that we have historically about an interaction with the Jin. 
So, uh, going into like the whole mixture of like the three wish concept and stuff, like, you know, you hear a lot of people that'll make a reference saying you have to like carefully word how you make your wishes. Do you mm-hmm. think that that was intended to be like their like little like you entrap me so fuck you kind of a thing? Like you need to watch how you word shit, otherwise I'm going to do exactly what you say to like kind of like prove a point to you against you. And uh, also building off of uh, the story you said with the first interaction, um, was there anything like back after that? Like did he go back or did he almost like trick them where he just like never came back and was like able to? be safe because he stayed away from him after that. I mean, that's the part of the story that makes no sense is that the man goes back the next day and like risks his life by telling the story when the thing basically let him go and was like, come back tomorrow and tell me a story. So it shows that there was enough fear of repercussions that this, you know, this being could find the man and kill him anyway, if he didn't uphold his end of the deal. But if you look at, folklore from the fae it's the same concept if you don't specify your request just perfectly they're going to mess with you and there's all these rules and interacting with them you can't say thank you or they get all offended and there's all all of this folklore has kind of similar strings in it when you really suss it out and go all the way back again you have to go far back so that you're not getting religion in there because religion puts this other guys on top of things. But when you're talking about, we found a way to trap these things. These things had to come up with a way to basically barter for their life. So imagine if you were imprisoned by someone and they basically said, the only way I'm going to let you out is if you do my bidding, basically become my slave you're going to eventually figure out like a sly and manipulative way in order to get one over on them so you can get back your freedom. So part of it is, you know, a lesson story of be careful what you wish for, right? And to have people be mindful and really think things through because let's face it, people just don't. And the other part of it harkens back to being able to trap demons, whether it's in a lamp, in a mirror, with a seal. There are all these different lures about being able to trap these entities and either have them do your bidding or just keep them trapped. So, um, I don't, I personally don't think they do, but you also do hear a concept where like gin get mixed with like demons. Do you think that the only reason for that is the whole idea of like trapping something and make it making it do your bidding. So just like through Christianity, they almost said that like these things are demons when they never were demons. They just kind of gave them that title because of just like little things that were similar. Well, I think it really depends on what the specific case is. I mean, what I might call a jinn, someone else might say, Oh, that's a demon. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's just a matter of what lens are you looking through? So, like, you wouldn't say that they're the same thing, but just through, like, miscommunication, uh, people would, like, associate them as as the same thing in certain situations, right? Again, because religion came in and started putting names down for things and made everything good and bad. There was no in-between. So, like, demons were already an existing concept, and then they threw jinn into that category kind of a thing? 
Jen, in my opinion, Jen are completely separate from demons and angels. I think that because of religion's overlay, you get a lot of people saying, oh, that's a jinn, interusing it with the word demon when it's really not. And then there's like, some cases like most where things. it is. Anything yeah. that's evil, they try to just throw that title on. Exactly. But again, like you were saying, jinn aren't necessarily like evil. It just kind of depends on which one you encounter. What Just like people, you know, like everybody's different. Everybody has different intentions, you know? Even so, if you go back in, in, in lore predating the Bible, you know, the word Damon, which had an A in it, didn't necessarily mean demon. It was just an deity and an entity that was on a higher pay scale than us and was able to do different stuff than us. It wasn't necessarily bad. So uh, also kind of going back into the gin too, um, like what, what would their like powers consist of? Like, I don't want to say that it'd be like wish granting, but are they able to like manipulate reality into what they want it to be? And that's where the whole wish concept comes into. And like, what, what other like powers or like, whatever, what, what are they, uh, what are they capable of? Like, what, what is, what is their like draw to that makes them like powerful, I guess. Well, they're kind of like the Fae. Yeah, they can distort reality. Um, there's lots of different stories about people meeting them. They think it's a beautiful woman in the desert. They say, oh, we're so hungry. We're lost. She says, oh, come on back, you know, to my cave with me and I'll feed you. We have food. And then she feeds them and gives them water and they go to sleep in order to get some rest. And then they wake up in the middle of the night because they got to go pee or something. And they end up seeing she has eight nipples and, you know, she has all these little baby beings, almost like puppies suckling off of her. And then they realize this isn't a human woman. This is something else. And then they run out screaming. So do you think it's a concept of like, they're able to contort reality, but the real reality exists underneath it? Or if you kind of get into like interdimensional concepts and you hear about the like splitting of creating different dimensions or realities, um, would they deter from the true reality and almost create like a side reality? There's realities living with on realities. And this is why I bring up our different levels. So, you know, our levels below and our levels above we're kind of on top of each other. Human beings, we think we rule the roost and we're the dominant ones here. We're not. If we actually understood how many other beings and entities outrule us here, we just don't have direct interaction with them. The same way that they don't have interaction with us for the most part because they're working on a different level. So they... uh so they they wouldn't necessarily like i guess like make another like side reality like like if you make a wish for example for, to like a gin or whatever like a genie and you get all your wildest wishes like is that deterring into another reality where that original reality still exists where you didn't have all of those extravagant things or is it more like uh like it's contorting just this one solid reality Oh, you're talking about like timeline jumping almost. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like if they were able to like, like, a make a wish dimension? happen, it would like create another rift or another dimension and it isn't part of the main timeline. It's just uh, like a side venture that they created. So it's like 
almost like it doesn't really like exist in the reality you're from, but they like deter your reality where you're now on a different timeline. So they're able to reach into pocket dimensions, if you will. So it's kind of interesting because when you brought this up immediately, I'm thinking about leprechauns and I'm sure your audience at this point is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But let's, let's take the leap. Let's do it. So leprechauns, the reason why in, in older lore that they were able to have their gold is they were able to reach into a pocket dimension where they stored it. That's why you had to go to the end of the rainbow and follow them basically in order for them to bring it to you. Same thing with the gin concept. They're able to reach into a pocket dimension. If you say, oh, I want gold. Okay, they can reach in and grab the gold and give it to you. We say it's magic. They're just able to do something that we're not, i.e. teleport or, you know, we have different words that we would use for it. So rather than like granting a wish, so to speak, they're able to like grab things from other pocket realities and bring them into this reality and be like, here you go. So it's not like they're creating it they're just grabbing it from somewhere else and bringing it here yeah and and but that is granting the wish if that's what your wish was but i mean they didn't like like create it out of nothing was what i was trying to trying to explain like Like they're pulling it from somewhere yeah they like pull it from somewhere else it's not like they're like saying you want gold and they just create a bunch of gold they're like grabbing the gold from somewhere else exactly where yeah, I feel like that's where like a lot of the miscommunication with like Jin come in, where they sound more mythical or like unbelievable if you think that they're just like creating gold or creating whatever versus like it's more tangible and connects into science if you're looking at it from the concept of like them pulling things from like other realities, other dimensions. I feel like it makes it a little bit more like less like whimsical and kind of brings more into like a real world understanding of like the concept of what they're doing. Right. And a, and a lot of the stories, like the folklore between this and leprechauns and the fae and a lot of it, they were used as metaphors to make people think through what they were asking for. So, you know, the big one would be the man who asks, oh, I want to be rich. And then all of a sudden he's rich and now he's got all these problems, right? Like Jay-Z, he's got 99 <laughs> problems. <laughs> but it's to make you think harder about, hey, if you're going to mess with something that you don't fully understand, be prepared for consequences. So these were allegorical stories, not necessarily always based on the exact truth. Now, there's a couple different stories about people saying, oh, I want so-and-so to fall in love with me. And there's lore in which the deity will say, I can't do that because it goes against someone else's will. And there's other saying, if you want, and basically it's like putting a spell on the person. And then the person ends up realizing in the end, they're not really in love with me. They're only in love with me because I made it happen. So, you know, for instance, with baby witches, usually love spells always get brought up with questions And the way that I answer it is never start a marriage with a kidnapping. That's why you don't do love spells, right? You want someone who's going to actually love you for you. You don't want someone to love you just because you want them to. Doesn't that like uh, get rid of like the power of choice at that point? So it's almost like if you were to do those types of things, you'd be like angering like 
spiritual consciousness or like whatever's above because you're essentially like taking away somebody else's free will so they can't exist and do the things in this reality that they're intended to do because they've been misdirected in a way that they didn't choose? Well, I mean, that's black magic in a heartbeat is basically black magic doesn't care about anyone else's consent or free will. They do what they want to do. And they basically think if the universe doesn't want it to be so, it won't happen. And if it's okay, then I'm going to make it happen. I'm a white witch. I only work with the light. I need full consent. And I never, ever, ever do anything against someone else's will. See, like lights, like love spells seem like they're such like a normalized thing. Like everybody's like, ooh, a love spell. Like they look at it like Mm. a very light thing. But realistically, if you're looking at it from like the spectrum of how the universe works, it's probably one of like the worst forms of dark magic you can do because you're taking away somebody else's free will and everybody just looks at it like it's a light thing and they're totally looking at it wrong. It's almost as bad as like bringing back somebody from the dead at that point. Like I said, never start a marriage with the kidnapping. It doesn't go well because ultimately (laughs) in the end, the person who put the love spell out is going to understand this person isn't with me because they really love me. This person is with me because I basically took them and have held them captive. I was going to say you're essentially making them into a slave in a, in a, in a, in a, yeah. Yeah. Making them into a slave to an extent. Yes, absolutely. And no one, no one really, really wants that deep down. I hope. I guess it depends on how shallow of a person you are. And if what you care about the most is having a trophy on your arm versus actually having a real connection with somebody. Well, let me sure there's a lot of people that can go their whole life and just be okay with the image. But I mean, realistically on the inside, like they're hurting deep down and that's why they feel the need to do that. But I don't know, I guess it depends on, uh, Everybody's mind works different. I feel like there is not a big number, but maybe like a 1% that would be able to do that and never have a problem with it because they're all about that image. And this is where I come back to, I know I've said this like a few times on your show already, but take a minute to sit down and assess what really matters. Because yes, does it sound like a great idea and it would be super cool to be rich, of course, but more money, more problems, right? Mm -hmm. And then you got more taxes. You got people at your door. You got this, you got that to deal with. Um, The most simple life people end up being the happiest more often than not. I would rather be in a happy relationship where all of our basic needs are being met and we're just able to be happy and in love and enjoy life comfortably than be in a huge house that I'm going to need 18 house cleaners in order to keep it up because that's how I always think. I always think someone's got to <laughs> clean that up. This is why I never break things when I'm mad because I always think someone has to clean that up and it's going to be me. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, Yes, it sounds great to have a mansion with all these rooms, right? Like if I'm throwing killer parties all the time and I always need a place for everyone to spend the night. But what if I'm there all alone? Could you imagine how creepy it's got to be? Like, excuse me, I've got to take my quarter of a mile walk to my bedroom. (laughs) Well, just imagine how much energy would be able to like attach itself to that house where it's like, even if you had a giant house and you're all alone, I don't think you'd ever feel alone just because of like, how much emptiness like things would be able to like 
attach themselves to, you know, like even just like events happening within the house. Like if you weren't the first owner of the house, like, I don't know, there's just so much space and room for different things to be able to manifest themselves. It's not like a small house where it's like one entity, like you could have like the bigger the house, the more things could theoretically be in the house. (laughs) Not necessarily. I've seen very, very small spaces with a whole lot of going on. And I guess I'm going to talk with my house. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much again for bringing that. (laughs) But I mean, here's the thing. There's, I have no problem with people who have huge homes, who have a lot of money, who have, you know, beautiful spouses I think all of that is wonderful, you know, whether you earned it, whether you inherited it, whether you were gifted it, whatever it is, as long as that love and appreciation and depth is there and you're happy inside, you should be happy anywhere that you're at. If you're blessed and you have all those awesome, cool things, my hope and wish for that person is that they really, really love and appreciate it and they have a really deep, wonderful life right? The same way that I would wish for someone who's living on the street. And here's something funny. A lot of people see homeless people and they think like, oh no, you know, I don't want to be like that. That person just wants a home and we need to throw all this money at them because they want, you know, a home or an apartment or this or that. To be honest, I've talked to some of them. They've said the reason they're out on the street or living in a creek or wherever they're living is because They don't want to be tied down with a home and rent or a mortgage and a car and responsibilities and taxes and this and that. They like living just, they can go wherever their shopping cart takes them. That reminds me of, I forgot uh, the guy's name. He was a Greek philosopher, but essentially he came from a family that would make uh, like money, you know, they would like make like gold pieces and things. And he, I'm totally going to like hate myself for not remembering this name later, but um, he essentially decided he didn't want any of that and decided to start like living on the streets and like hanging out with dogs and stuff. And like, that was his whole like philosophy is he would just get up on a table and just do some random shit just because he felt the need to do it. And he didn't want to be attached to the normal, normal world. But yeah, I'm brain farting on his name, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, and even Jesus talked about it. He said, give up your earthly possessions and follow me. And I just go wander the world and hang out with people. Um, I highly recommend if any of these concepts for any of you out there listening, read the Gnostic Gospels. You can get them online for free. The stuff that Jesus really said is not being preached. And this again is why I don't call myself a Christian because I don't agree with what's being preached and taught, especially in our country right now. But what Jesus had to say and what some of the other great masters had to say, like Krishna and Buddha and Allah, if you read at the core of what they were saying, basically they were saying, you're a spirit having a human experience. Cool. Enjoy the human stuff. But at the same time, really, really, really understand that there's something bigger than this world happening. Little uh, side note, it was uh, Diogenes. Ah, 
But yeah, because as soon as you said Gnosticism, for whatever reason, that name clicked in my head. But I had to drop that one in there for anybody that was curious and wants to look up this guy's concepts. But, but yeah, basically what you're saying, give up all material items and he just lived how he felt like living. <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess before we start getting into the end of the show, because we're running eh, just over two hours and I could definitely do more. So that just leaves room for, you know, you coming back on the show and us getting to interact even more and do another two hours and then another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, just for the sake of shits and giggles for the conversation, um, what do you think of cryptids? Do you think that cryptids are real and how may they connect into everything? Do I believe that cryptids and monsters are real? Yes. Yes. Do I believe that humans are the worst monsters and scariest monsters of them all? Also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at Sasquatch like he's a monster. He's just some dude hanging out in the woods and, uh, you know, just trying to live natural. He's like, leave me alone, man. <laughs> it basically told me, like, don't come looking for me, girl. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I'm just trying to live off the world. You guys can do your own crazy things. Like, I'm just doing me over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys are the monsters. You're the ones who shoot at me. You guys just think I'm a monster for my appearance, but you guys are the ones shooting at me. I've never shot at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really took No Shave November to heart, you know? So. <laughs> but um, leaving on a positive note, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? So I've got a couple things. The first is don't have your mind so open that your brain falls out. Think things through. Take a minute to assess what really matters and what's really important. And also think through any concept that you're wondering about. The next is before you speak, ask, is it kind? Is it of worth? And will it change anyone's mind for the better? And honestly, the biggest thing that I can leave with is just be kind. Truth. <laughs> Everyone is going through some kind of battle and you never know what it is. And if we could all just be kind to each other, good Lord, this would be such an amazing place. Just a little uh, side note off of that. I feel like a lot of people, the people that they dislike the most are people that they see characteristics of themselves in that they don't like. So it's like their way of hating their own character flaws is by hating somebody that has those character flaws or rather than viewing it that way and uh, kind of like using them as like, I don't want to say using them, but um, kind of seeing it as almost like a, like a stepping stone of like, all right, so the reason why this person annoys me so much is because I have this own personal stuff. They just direct all that hatred towards them when, you know, if you got rid of that hatred and realized that, you know, it's because you haven't come to come to a closure with something within yourself and start treating that person with respect. Like we're never going to get to that point. Well, that's just taking a look in the mirror and you either like what you see or you don't. Very true. Right. But again, if we could just be kind and I don't mean just to other people, be kind to yourself too. That's one thing that I've been very about is uh, I used to be one of those people when you, know, you mess something up, you're like, I, I kind of accidentally did it within this episode, actually, just like a couple <laughs> minutes ago, um, where you say like, damn it, I hate that stuff about myself, or I hate this, or like, damn it, you idiot, you fucked up, or something like that. Like, throw that stuff out of your mind, 
And like I said, it's something I'm still working on. But like, don't talk bad about yourself. Like, there's a what's the Japanese saying? It says, "Don't talk bad about the warrior inside, otherwise you'll weaken the warrior." Something loosely based on those lines, but it's it's a really good concept. What I say is, thoughts are things, and if you can watch your thoughts, you will see how things change. Reality at one point was just a thought. Everything that exists within our reality was just a thought, which shows that like thoughts have a way of manifesting themselves and creating something within this world. And if you don't choose carefully what you put your thoughts into, then it will manifest itself into the world. Damn, homie, that was deep. <laughs> hey, I like to get deeper <laughs> on here. <laughs> I love that. Congrats, Sid. That was well put. Thank Applause you. to you. Golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautifully, beautifully stated. Yes, we do manifest our own reality and thoughts are things. And what you think about someone else, you know, people who are out there who are having a hard time, even if you just think in your mind rough stuff about them, thoughts are like little energy bubbles and they go stick to that person and it's just going to give them more to stumble through. So if we could just be kind and think kind things about ourselves and other people, it really does help energetically. Stop putting shackles on your own ankles and the ankles of other people around you. Woo <laughs> Work. All right. <laughs> Gotta like hit one that. more deep concept at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for anybody that's enjoyed the conversation, uh, where can they come and find you at? Uh, so my primary content is on YouTube. It's JJ Rose seven seven seven, all one word. Um, I have my intro video. It's seven minutes. All of my stuff is audio. I know it's on YouTube, and so it comes across as a video. But uh, basically, everything is just meant to be played. Put the phone down. Put it on Alexa, whatever, and um, just listen to me talk. I did make some playlists on there. I did a spiritual awakening one. I did one about spiritual protection. Um, and then another one for just kind of like random paranormal encounters. Cause I know some people are really curious about that. Um, but I really, really tried to put lessons and everything. I don't just crap post for no reason. Um, but I have an Instagram and a Facebook <laughs> speaking of shit posting because that's pretty much what I do. I put fun <laughs> memes on there with songs because I've discovered technology <laughs> and I really don't know how to use Instagram all that well. Um, so if you guys want to join me on my socials, feel free. Facebook, Instagram. I refuse to go on Twitter. It's a hard pass for me. So that's, that's me too. Um, <laughs> I don't do a whole lot, but I am really big. If you guys, if anyone has questions, if you've listened to anything that I've said and you have direct questions or something about your own life that you have questions on, feel free to email me. I am really, really big on teaching. That's my main thing is I want to teach you guys to do this for yourselves and to fight fear. So most of the time I'm trying to give you ideas of ways that you can do things in order to help yourself. A lot of times I've already covered it in certain videos. So I'll just kind of route you back to that. So everyone gets the same information, but yeah, I don't do this for a living. I'm not trying to make money off this. I'm not selling anything. I'm just trying to have good, truthful information out there to fight fear and with a positive aspect behind it to help anyone who's open and ready for it. 
Well, I really appreciate all you do. I appreciate you making the time to come on the show. And I am definitely looking forward to the next time you come on the show. Thank you so much, Shane. It's been fun. Definitely. And like I said, I can't wait to do it again because I could. we just went two and a half hours about that. And I could definitely do another two and a half and probably another two and a half after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need some more coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> need some coffee and give you some mental uh, exercise in the process because that seems to be what I tend to do over here when I let my mind wander is I'll... Uh, you know, throw some throw some deep concepts on people that they got to do some uh, mental acrobats to uh, get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But great questions. And I really commend you for having great questions and not being afraid to ask them. That's important. Thank you for that. <laughs> if anybody wants to be a guest on the show, is interested in sponsoring the show, has a topic that they want discussed on the show or a guest that they would like to see on the show, or you feel you have anything you can contribute to the show in any show, shape, or form, I definitely want to hear it. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email at increase of our reality podcast at outlook.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram or whatever other social media you happen to find me on. Uh, you never know, you know, what might end up working out. I ended up meeting, uh, one of my favorite people who makes a lot of really cool audio stuff for me, uh, Sociobeat. Shout out to him. Uh, all just from him hitting me up and us connecting and becoming friends. So you never know what might happen. So definitely shoot me a message. I definitely want to hear from you, even if it's just a conversation, like, you know, what you can contribute to the show might be an awesome conversation that opens up a whole realm of new ideas that I can talk about. So don't hold yourself back. Shoot me a message. Let's have a conversation. Uh, let's see where it goes. So definitely shoot the email. And Instagram is primarily the main thing I'm active on. So that's probably be the other top option besides email if you wanted to contact me. Um, if you're interested in anything that I've mentioned on the show, um, make it all quick and easy under one link tree. And for this one, it's uh, L-I-N-K. T-R period E-E slash increase of our reality podcast. And if you want to check out the giant umbrella of all the other weird things that I do, it's uh, Open Minds Media. So L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. And with that, I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>